welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Um, uh, uh, check us out uh, at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Uh, this week, we I have the great pleasure uh, of talking uh, with, um, with Brandon Perlow, the, the uh, publisher and founder of New Paradigm Studios, um, and as well as Brandon Easton, a uh, screenwriter, professional writer, uh, and the author of one of the new publishing, uh, New Paradigm Studios, uh, really uh, uh, terrific series, Watson and Holmes, the reimagining, the reimagining of uh, the Sherlock and Holmes um, a story. Um, look, thanks for both of you guys for, for being on More to Come. Sure. Thank you. Um, look, Brandon, we've talked uh, a lot before. Um, uh, we did a story uh, at Publishers Weekly uh, about, uh, particularly about Watson and Holmes. Um, you know, since that time, uh, you know, Watson and Holmes was nominated for two um, uh, two Eisner Awards, uh, won a Glyph Award. Um, Easton, um, uh, you were the, you were the writer on that on that particular series, right? The the Glyph Award winner. Issue number six, yes. Issue number six. Um, so a lot has happened this, 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 since then. Uh, I think uh, New, uh, New Paradigm has a really interesting um, uh, business model, and you've certainly got some great series. Um, uh, Brandon Perlo, thanks a lot for being on the show. Maybe you can tell uh, the More to Come audience a little bit about your background uh, and how you came to start a new paradigm, and then we'll switch over to um, to Brandon Easton and talk a little bit with him about his background. Cool. Uh, I'm Brandon Perlo. I um, a I'm a freelance visual effects artist. I've been spending about 17 years doing that, working on movies and mostly commercials. Uh, I do most of my work on the computer. Mm-hmm. Um, I decided to find found New Paradigm Studios because I had some ideas for stories, and I decided I want to do them in comics because when I went to art school. Um, I trained with Walter Simonson, you know, in comic book class. So I'm like, you know, I just want to go back to my roots and actually do that. Uh, and that was a few years ago. Uh, Watson and Holmes was one of the first properties Paul Mendoza and I came up with. Um, and it turned out to be, quote, the easiest, but nothing's ever easy in comics. Uh, but we, uh, you know, got in touch with Rick Leonardi uh, from my ex-teacher, Walter Simonson. And our um, senior editor, Justin Gabri, uh, found Carl Bowlers uh, as our writer. We, had, we were testing some other writers before, but none of them really worked out when they were doing uh, some outlines for us. So it was basically uh, Carl Bowlers knocked out the outline you know, out of the park, and uh, we pretty much went from there. And uh, we decided to put the first issue out um, as digital. Because we didn't want to, like, you know, worry about, you know, print budgets or anything like that. You know, we had some success. Uh, We went to a New York Comic Con a few years ago, and we released some black and white copies. And can I uh, can I jump in? Can I jump in? Print run and those pretty much sold out. Um, Can I interrupt you for just a second? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Just before you get too far into that, can you talk a little bit about the series? I mean, uh, it's it's it it takes. Are the the the, uh, the the Conan Doyle characters and puts them in Harlem. Can you talk a little bit about that? I, it just just for our audience who may not be aware of what oh, we're talking about. Absolutely, sorry about that. Watson and Holmes is basically the first African American interpretation of both characters. 
Uh, Sherlock is, you know, an ex-computer programmer, you know, from the dot bomb era, mm -hmm. uh, who's recovered, you know, from a bad time, and he's become a detective. And John Watson is an ex-para-rescueman, which basically is like a, a super-duper, um, what you might call it, medic. So basically, it's like a medic with special forces training. And so in this series, Watson is more of a partner than a sidekick. Mm -hmm. um, he's definitely bigger and stronger than Sherlock. So most of the time, they've been you know making Watson physically inferior to Sherlock, especially in the newer TV series. So we decided, well, you know, Watson has to add something to the partnership. He shouldn't be the guy being rescued all the time. Um, in fact, he should be the guy to provide backup. So, um, besides his great medical training, you know, he's just an intimidating uh, character. So, basically, it's not like it's going to be so easy to take, you know, Sherlock and John down so easily. Mm -hmm. And they, this, they, they, they're solving crimes uh, in Harlem and, and around New York City. Yes. Their base is in Harlem, New York City, and most of the time they're running around uh, the New York City area. So, we, you know, take them to Brooklyn, Bronx, you know. Or they just stay in Harlem, depending on the case. And and you and you and you take care to connect, you know, the these this contemporary uh, reinterpretation of the duo, to in some ways to the original, uh, you know, beyond just the names. Um, you know, I, I think you know Watson is an Af Afghan veteran. I think uh, much like I think in the original um, series. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things is that in the original book, he was coming from Afghanistan as well. So we are doing that. He was a pararescueman from Afghanistan. Uh -huh. Very clever. Um, uh, so just a little bit. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, 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 of remaking of Sherlock Holmes. How did you decide to settle on an African-American setting for it? Um, I think because it's like I was thinking about, you know, 1970s and 80s, you know, TV shows and, you know, shows like um, New York Undercover. I'm like, you know, Sherlock Holmes and Watson would be really cool if they were African-American in like a New York City mm -hmm. environment. Sure. Great. It's never been done before. I'm just surprised it's never been, you know, tried. It, it's kind of amazing. It seems so, uh, so perfect. Um, so uh, one of the things that we wrote about in our first, um, in our first story, uh, in, in, excuse me, in the story that PW did about New Paradigm and Watson and Holmes, uh, was really about the first trade paperback. So, uh, and you were starting talking about um, uh, 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 working with uh, Carl Ballas, one of the other writers for the series. But maybe you can uh, talk a little bit about just generally how how your uh, business plan has gone um, in terms of how you release the stories. Yes. So, as I was saying, we were going digital initially with the book. Mm -hmm. uh, so this way we could test the waters um, and actually, you know, get the art out and get the story out. Um, we then eventually, you know, went for like a limited edition black and white run, which, you know, sold well. And after getting some, you know, headway, uh, we decided to try and get into diamond and, uh, we are, we got into the comic book stores and, you know, we, we actually, you know, did decently. It's just the problem is, you know, what's considered, you know, good for, you know, a smaller run and trying to, you know, maintain that in a comic book shop's a lot tougher. I think, you know, when you're a smaller company within the diamond catalog, sure. um, mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to get market penetration into the comic book stores. Mm -hmm. 
So we decided it was just better for us to just focus on making trades and digital copies. And, you know, we'll think of a different way of getting back into the stores at a later date. I mean, in fact, just to give you some ideas, we've been, you know, we were talking to some other publishers at San Diego for the possibility of, you know, re-releasing um, Watson and Holmes in the comic book stores of another volume. Cool. Cool. Um, I'm going to I'm going to stop right there because I want to jump over and uh, just talk a little bit uh, uh, with Brandon Easton. Um, uh, Easton, are you there? Can can you talk a little bit about your background just to give the more to come audience uh, just some some sense of um, of uh, of your accomplishments? Sure. I am a uh, TV screenwriter. I worked on the Thundercats uh 2011 reboot from Warner Brothers Animation. I've also done stuff with Hasbro on the Hub Network with Transformers Rescue Bots. I've been working in the comic book industry off and on since about 2002. And in 2012, I released a uh, my original graphic novel, Shadow Law, which did win the glyph for Best Writer in 2013. And I've been around for a while, and I've had a lot of really cool things happen to me lately. And one of those cool things was being nominated for an Eisner for my work on Watson and Holmes number six. And of course, winning the glyph for Watson and, uh, and Holmes number six as well. Uh, so actually, could you tell a little bit, uh, talk a little bit about that issue, obviously without any, sure, without giving sure. them any spoilers. I mean, it's a really um, special story. I was out of the blue by some of the guys at New Paradigm Studios, and I was shocked because I didn't even know too much about it at first. But when I learned about what it was and who was involved, I was very, very excited to work with them. And it was the first time I'd ever written a mystery story that had to be self-contained in a 22-page comic book. So it was challenging. And I had lived in New York City for six years. And during that time, I was a teacher um, in Harlem at Thurgood Marshall Academy up on 135th Street. Uh -huh. So I'd spent a lot of time in the Harlem community, and I knew a lot about what Harlem was like in the 90s and what it was like post-gentrification. So I wanted to bring that into the story as well. So I came up with a nice storyline involving a Harlem politician and his secret sexual desires and how it may or may not have contributed to the death of his wife and so forth and so on. Great, great. Um, well, it, it's it's really a terrific story. Um, uh uh, I, I assume you're going to be doing um, – you'll be around for more stories in this series? I don't know. Uh -huh. um, I don't know what the future is actually going to hold. Uh, you would have to ask Brandon Fellow <laughs> okay. that. Uh, you know, I'm always open to you know contributing in the future, but uh, – yeah, it'll be great. I just don't know what's going to happen. All right. Uh, Perlo, um, can you talk a little bit more about Volume 2 that you've got a Kickstarter campaign going on with right now? In fact, this this podcast will probably go on uh, go up on Friday this week, and we're in the – this is August 20th today, and I think your, uh, your campaign is – the deadline is on the weekend. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's ending on Friday, hopefully, maybe even Saturday morning. I'm not totally sure. So hopefully uh, this uh, podcast will come out before it ends. Um, we are at the 82% right now, so it's doing quite well. We had a really big jump the past couple of days, I guess, because everyone's rushing and knowing about, oh, it's going to end soon. You know, So I'm glad that we're getting some action and heat. Um, pretty much all the, you know, 20,000 seems like a lot. 
and in some ways it is, but you know, to pretty much handle all the shipping and printing and actually finish up the artwork, um, it pretty much comes to that. And in fact, sometimes a little bit more. So mm-hmm. pretty much when this Kickstarter gets, if it gets funded, it's all going to uh, production between letterers, colorists, and you know, the last artists on the book. Uh, and, now. What 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 can we expect to see in in volume two as far as stories? Is this going to be a single story, uh, to, you know, long form story or or more? We're going to have um, Brandon's story in there. We're going to have uh, Hannibal Taboo mm-hmm. and Stephen Grant. Uh, they wrote a story with the two characters in um, the uh, in Illinois, outside of you know New York. So they've been on a road trip, but ah, for a so that, oh. interesting story. All right. Uh, we have Lindsay Faye. She's writing multiple stories for this one. She wrote a um, version of The Solitary Cyclist, and she's also doing um, the Irene Adler story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so can we look for uh, Watson and Holmes to sort of revisit uh, specific Sherlock Holmes stories and sort of transform them? We're going to do a mixture of you know reinterpreting classic stories and doing original ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. And uh, these are going to be single stories. Can we expect a, another book-length story at, at some point? We are going to, hopefully, after Volume 2, we will start Volume 3 of Carl Ballers and maybe getting Rick Leonardi back for uh, a, a big story. Great, great. Um, I want to ask you a little bit more about, I mean, maybe you can talk a little bit about your the other series, that New Paradigm, um, because it's I, I really think it's fascinating, as you said, it's, it can't be easy for uh, a small publisher, but you've got um, a number of different takes on genre series that are very interesting. Would you like to talk about a few more of them? Absolutely. Uh, we got one um, that's our webcomic that will be finished as a trade paperback called Justice is Nocturnal. And it's basically crossing Greek mythological creatures with uh, crime noir. So imagine like centaurs and griffins and all these other things, you know, in like a, you know, 1930s style, but, you know, Greek city. Um, and that's created by uh, F. Lee. So that should be done by the winter. And, you know, the pages are coming in as we see. Um, we have another series called World War Mob. It's basically just a it's gonna be a trade paperback uh, of four issues. We have individual issues right now in Comixology. And that's written by Vito Del Sante with art by uh, Giancarlo Caracuso. And it's basically the idea that uh, in World War II, you have a bunch of army guys who are told by their... Um, Capo leaders back in the United States to desert the army and find and kill Mussolini. Okay. So it's very yeah. much like uh, Inglorious Bastards, but yeah. you know it's a little less. Uh, how should I say? Uh, uh, I guess over the top. You know, it's <laughs> uh, it, it's definitely uh, really beautiful work, painted work by Giancarlo. Um, you know, it's very violent, uh, but it's you know PG thirteen ish. Okay. Um, so that'll be a, you know, it'll be like a hundred and something pages when it's done. Um, our third series, uh, which we'll, we'll put out online soon, uh, is The Rock Thrower. Um, we did the first three issues of it, and it's basically about a out-of-luck uh, Jewish baseball scout who happened to once be a baseball player who's watching TV and sees a uh, Palestinian kid uh, throw rocks at soldiers and decides to go to Palestine and recruit the kid. So, uh, yeah, um, 
and uh, our fourth series, which I'll be starting the art for, and hopefully, you know, sometime in the next couple of months, and I'm actually, you know, talking to Brandon about possibly working with us on it, is called Nimbus, and that's a mm-hmm. epic science fiction series, so. And you've got a, you've got a superhero series, too, don't you? A what? A superhero series? No, that's Vito Del Sante's project, ah. and he's with Action Lab. Uh, ah, some okay. of our editorial helped him with it. But, I see. Um, okay, I'm just confused. It's, it's his project. I see. Uh, well, 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 you do have some really, it seems to me, really imaginative t- t- takes on new genres here. Um, but what also seems to fascinate, most fascinating to me is that you really seem, and maybe this is obvious for a, a small publisher, uh, to experimenting. I mean, we're in a, a new, uh, really kind of a new era now for publishing. And, I mean, obviously you call your publishing house New Paradigm. Um, and could you talk about that a little bit? We were on a panel together at, at, at San Diego which about about digital. But one of the things I love about your company is that you mix together digital, print, web comics, uh, trying to find what's the best the best channel for each series. Yeah, I, I think we're constantly experimenting, seeing how we can you know get the most audience and get you know the most feedback. Um, I think certain titles are easier to launch digitally and you know see how that goes and some titles I think just need the slow burn of a web comic um, I think until we actually start proving ourselves more maybe if we can get in with another public you know larger publisher um, we'll consider you know again going into a floppy monthly but until that happens we're pretty much we stick with you know what we know so um, you know, web comics are a great way of like, you know, proving new talent. So, you know, we're very open to new talent if they're good. Um, and, you know, since we have an experienced editorial staff, you know, we're really good about helping them out and like getting the best out of them. So, I mean, uh, do, do you own all of these series or are these creator owns or is there some, uh, uh, you know, balance in between? Yeah. Yeah, um, with Justice is Nocturnal, that is F. Lee's property, mm-hmm. but we're helping uh, F. Mm-hmm. Lee out, and we have you know some equity in it uh-huh, sure. uh, because we are you know helping you know shape the stories and getting the best out of it. Um, with uh, World War Mob, that is Vito Del Sante's property. Um, I don't know what his thing is with Giancarlo, but that's just basically his, and we're just putting it out there. Um, and with uh, you know Rock Thrower Nimbus, both of those are uh, my properties. Okay. Um, been interesting following uh, the books that you're doing. Uh, look, I wanted to thank both of you guys for giving me some time here. Um, Brandon Easton, uh, Brandon Perlow, thank you much. Thanks so much for uh, talking with us. You're welcome. Thank you.